My mom is the best mom in the yes. world. Although what? she stop, did. Stop. Um, we're in a fight right now. We're, we're fighting. Sorry. The other day. Why are you guys my, in a fight? And it was my bad. And oh the my gosh, day. I've apologized a hundred times, but why? Tell me. Go ahead. Tell us. Hopefully everybody enjoyed their holiday break in the last weeks. Um, you know, we, we, I've been busy. We finally finished our youth baseball season. As, as a lot of you know who have listened these last couple of weeks in the spring and the summer, a lot of our weekends are tied up in travel baseball. We went down to the Perfect Game um, Invitational, which is a, a national World Series type of event. Uh, 27 teams had to qualify in our age group to go down there. You play a round-robin kind of pool play format, 16 advance to the gold championship bracket. So you play through the whole thing. So that was a great experience. We ended up coming up a little bit short. We made the gold bracket, and we ended up losing. Um, it was double elimination. We lost to a really good team out of out of Houston, and then we ended up getting our second loss to a team out of Louisiana. The cool thing about the second game was, aside from the fact that we lost, that not being cool. Um, so one of the kids on the other team's father was my college quarterback. Uh, Brock Berlin was was my first quarterback in the University of Miami, my first two seasons. Great guy. He was a really good friend of mine. He lives down in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, so that was cool. We took some pictures after and, and whatnot. So it was cool to come full circle. Me and Brock kind of reminiscing about driving on the bus back and forth to the games after we'd land in the city or whatever. We were always kind of bus mates. And now we're standing along the dugout stressing about our 10 and 11 year old kids playing against each other in a baseball tournament. So that was a cool experience. Uh, overall, it was a great experience. There were some just incredible kids from around the country and you really opened your eyes to just what a big world this youth sports scene is, uh, particularly in baseball. So that is now done. We are full speed ahead into a little bit of a summer break, but then also now getting into football. I'm getting ready to get into my broadcasting stuff. So we have a lot going on here. Um, I think you guys are going to really enjoy today's episode. Um, as, as you guys know, we've really tried to expand kind of our, you know, our guest list, right? We've heard from current athletes, former athletes, their parents, fathers. Today, we can hear from a family, a football family that you guys are all going to know, but we're going to hear from mom. We are going to hear from Lisa McCaffrey. And I just think it's so important. You know, my, I thinking back to my family, all boys, my mom was the rock. She held it all together. She's who we went to when dad was too hard or when we weren't playing good and whatever it was like mom was always there. So I think for, for the McCaffrey family, of course, a lot of you guys know her husband, Ed, the, the father of the family, Super Bowl champion, Denver Bronco um, with John Elway and that whole crew. Um, he is now a college football coach in Northern Colorado. Um, and then the, the oldest son, Max, who now coaches with his father and hearing Lisa go into, so he, she has her husband, one of her sons is a coach and then her other son one of her other sons is the quarterback. And then there's Christian, obviously, who everyone knows, a former teammate, a good friend of mine. Um, you might be and get a nice little surprise in this interview, so make sure you check it out. And um, obviously, current All-Pro running back. Everyone knows him from Stanford. And then the youngest brother, who is still in college, and he plays running uh, wide receiver slash running back at Rice. Um, so a football family, all boys. So to hear from Lisa, the mom, her background in sports, she was a phenomenal uh, soccer player at Stanford in her own right. Her family has a really interesting 
you know, kind of bloodline of, of athletes. So it was a great interview um, to hear from a mother's perspective. So many of you out there can relate, you know, driving to practice, picking up, getting uniforms ready, making sure the house is running. Uh, all you moms that listen can, can relate to this. So I think you guys are going to love this interview with Lisa. Uh, Christian pops in for a little bit to, to share some stories on his mom. So it was a ton of fun. It was a blast. Lisa actually has her own podcast that is going to debut next week. He's going to be covering a very similar type of story, parenting, um, you know, being the mother, you know, raising kids and whatnot. So, so make sure you guys check out Lisa's new podcast. We'll be debuting next week. Um, so we are so thrilled to have her today as our guest on another episode here on You Think. Look at this crew. I mean, we got let, – let's hold on. Let's, let's do appropriate introductions, first things first. A lot of people obviously are very familiar with the McCaffrey family. The father's an all pro receiver and Super Bowl winner and now a college coach. The McCaffrey boys. Oh, Christian, he looks great. We've all seen him with what? his shirt off. He's handsome. Wait, the brothers. <laughs> Wait, what? Sorry. I'm going to keep going. Just relax. But let's introduce before we get to before we get to you, Christian, you get enough accolades. Let's get to the star of the show. We are thrilled today to be joined by the real boss of the McCaffrey family, Lisa McCaffrey, the star <laughs> athlete in her own right. And we are going to cover all of that. Her career at Stanford, um, obviously being married to a professional athlete, being the, the mother of four top tier athletes, division one players, of course, Christian, a great buddy of mine and a former teammate. We are so fortunate today to be joined by both Lisa and Christian McCaffrey here on Lu you think appreciate you guys coming. What's up? Thanks for having us. This feels this is exciting. Why is Christian acting so weird? <laughs> well, I was waiting. You know, it's, it's, you have to specify. Thanks for having us. And I didn't know if my, my mom's the star of this show. So I want to, you know. She is the star of the show. You're just here for. Thanks you're for just having me. So before, before we started recording, Lisa, you said like, I'm a great mom. Remember all the stories. Did you have to like, did you like prep Christian for this interview to make sure we capture all the great moments you had as a, as a sports I, mom and just a I mom in general. I sent a text to him and said, you better be on your A game and you better lie and say what a great mom I was. Yep. Yep. <laughs> just lie. Come on, Christian. <laughs> Do me right. My mom is the best mom in yes. the world. Although what? she Stop. did. Stop. Um, we're in a fight right now. We're, we're fighting. Sorry. The other day. Why are you guys my, in a fight? And it was my bad. And oh the my gosh, day. I've apologized a hundred times, but. Why? Tell me. Go ahead. Tell us. So I'm uh, I'm about halfway through Ozark. Great show. Oh, and uh, I know where this is going. We're at dinner, and uh, and I don't know who's who's not seen the show. I feel bad even telling the story because I'm gonna I'm just gonna start by saying, if you have not seen Ozark, just pause the next twenty <laughs> seconds or or skip the next. No, 20 you don't have to give it. You don't have to give it away. I Spoiler okay. Alert. What happened was I gave the ending away. My bad. I messed up. Come on. But who hasn't Ooh. seen it? Come on. I haven't oh. seen it. Uh, yeah, I I saw season one and I stopped in season two, so I haven't is, seen it. Are you it, guys so, in Charlotte? Alert. Like, is Jaws just coming out to theaters now in Charlotte? Like, are you guys like behind the times? Like, what the heck? <laughs> you guys, come on, <laughs> branch out. Sorry, uh, sorry. My 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 summer nights. I apologize. You could probably relate to this. Unlike you, my kids are not all grown up as athletes. We're just trying to build their careers now, and I spend twelve hours a day at ball fields, 
running football practices and baseball oh. practices. And by the time I sit down on my couch at nine 30, I take a shower and I get, <laughs> well, that's good. You're, you're way and better than Ed. At least you're showering. Extent. So Ed would just pass out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's, let's go back all, all seriousness. Of course, we're all familiar with, you know, obviously we're all very familiar with Christian's career, not only at Stanford, but his heralded career growing up in Colorado. And now of course, a former teammate of mine uh, with the Carolina Panthers, all pro Record setting, blah, we all know blah, that. Blah, but blah, blah. I want to go back, blah blah blah, <laughs> no. right? But I want Lisa. I want to start with you, and I want you to take us back. You know, you you have you you had your own very highly acclaimed athletic career. You played soccer at Stanford. Your father was an Olympian. I mean, athletics just kind of run in the McCaffrey family. But I my gut is it comes from your side. So take us back to your childhood of your early experiences playing youth sports. Then we'll transition to your experience as a mother watching Christian and the boys grow up playing? Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, wow. Um, I grew up in Key Biscayne, Florida, right outside of Miami, a really small um, island. It sounds exotic, but it was kind of rustic and um, whatnot. And, um, I, you know, the most important part of my elementary school was P.E., we had Mr. Foster, who was the the most awesome PE teacher ever. And I wanted to impress Mr. Foster you know, every field day. Like it was my goal was to win um, the four, the 50 the yard dash. That was like, if I, if I could win the 50 yard dash, I'd feel like I felt like I accomplished something. And, you know, he was one of those like quiet types. He never dished out compliments very often, but when he did, you know, it was really sincere. So um, he was, a, he was just a really good guy. Um, and he, and he was big on soccer. And there was a huge Latin influence in Miami at the time. So soccer was a really big deal on, my, on this little island. Not many people, there wasn't a, a youth sport leagues for basketball or football. If you wanted to play football, you had to go off the island and play. Um, for most of the time, they actually ended up getting a little flag football um, league started towards the end, which I did play. I was one of the only girls on the team, which is kind of fun. Um, but um, soccer was a big deal. And I loved it. I loved the team sport because my family had most of like my older sister had played a lot of tennis and tennis was just sort of ingrained. And oh my gosh. And I remember just playing countless hours of tennis. And to be honest, I hated it. Um, by the end, I just started not liking it. I rebelled. I didn't want to play. And I remember my parents kind of like, it was a little bit dysfunctional. They sort of forced me to play. And um, I'd play in those tournaments in Florida. I remember watching the, um, the, the uh, Serena Williams movie and, um, the last one about her dad. And um, he was spot on by not letting those girls play the in the juniors because the juniors in Florida was the most dysfunctional thing looking back that I've ever experienced in my life. Like girls were cheating and parents were screaming at the kids. And it was, yeah. oh, it was, the, it was so, un so awful. It was, it ruined that experience for me. So I, I did not like tennis, but um, so I, I ended up playing a lot of adults at the time. I'd play a lot of the adult tournaments, like local adult tournaments. But anyway, once I found soccer, I realized, oh, this is a team sport. This is so much more fun. Um, and I had a little bit of success growing up. And um, I don't know, I just really enjoyed that uh, sport more than anything. Um, but then fast forward, I went and I actually stopped playing most sports in middle school. Um, I started, kind of rebelled and didn't like it because that was just sort of ingrained in our family. Um, and I just started studying really hard. I went to a very academic school, middle school, then ended up in, in high school and realized I need to play in order to get into a college because um, academics are not the only thing that's going to matter. It's a very, very competitive um, uh, high school that I went to academically, not athletically. So I ended up um, lettering in five varsity sports, um, played, I ran track, tennis. I did do tennis, um, soccer, 
uh, volleyball and I was a cheerleader, which counted, which was probably my favorite thing that I did. I loved it. It was so fun. You can make fun of me all you want, but I loved cheerleading. Um, and we were not the competitive tumblers or anything like that. We, it was just fun. It was dancing. And anyway, it was really fun. It was a nice break from competitive sports. So I liked it. Um, but anyway, that I excelled in soccer, I guess enough that I caught the eye of the Stanford coach and, um, she came to Florida, watched me play and um recruited me and i got in and i was the minute i got in i I, well i visited and that was the school i wanted to go to more than anything because it was warm and beautiful and amazing so anyway i got in and went there and um it was right at the beginning of um title nine sort of kicking in and and then and everybody emphasizing it so i actually got the very first soccer scholarship ever offered by vanderbilt university but i turned it down and uh went to stanford so um and uh played for three years but then i hurt my back and didn't play my senior year. And, um, I had a lot of excess energy <laughs> as Christian could probably attest to. So I took up running and, um, I've just, I've been running ever since I, and running was actually good for my back. It sort of like, uh, uh, straightened it out a little bit, so to speak. Cause it was just always a little off. Anyway, I took up running and I've just never stopped running. Um, so that's my outlet. So that's why I didn't um, beat my children growing up. You're like Forrest yeah, Gump. hundred like, percent. You're like Forrest <laughs> never Gump. Never stopped, but well, okay, so, so Christian, obviously you, you know, you know, your mom's story, you know, what she's been doing and, and throughout the rest of this conversation, after you jump, we're going to really dive into just her as a mother and a parent and watching you guys, you and your brothers go through this, but just, just give everyone, give our listeners a little, a little look into what your youth childhood was like, you know, four boys, you know, parents that were athletes, your father, obviously is a professional football player, winning Super Bowls. your mother, we just talked like, give us a little sense. Was sports just ingrained in what you guys did? Were you pushed to do it? Or is it just something you and your brothers just naturally found yourselves taking up? Yeah, well, first off, I'll brag about my mom's athletic career, too, because she didn't talk about how good she was. But she was, you know, a, a star. Um, yeah. You know, that was back when I, you know, Mia Hamm and all those girls were playing. And, uh, you know, she was right there you know, with those, I think she had like 54 goals her senior year. So, um, humble brag, we call those <laughs> yeah. humble brags. Sometimes you gotta, brags. sometimes you gotta, uh, you gotta let them I, know, yeah. but, uh, she doesn't, she doesn't, I like to score because um, sometimes when I'd score, they'd like give, they'd let me like sit the bench and have a little break for a while. And I was kind of lazy. So <laughs> it's like, Hey, if I score, maybe they'll take me out for a few. I minutes. find that hard to believe. <laughs> Whatever. I find works. that hard to believe. Um, no, but growing up was, uh, it was great. Um, I don't know if I ever realized how great my parents were, um, because it was kind of just the standard. Um, I know they were all, they always wanted us to excel academically. That was something that was extremely important to them. Um, all, all three of my brothers and myself, we never needed someone to push us to enjoy sports. I think I don't know if that was just, you know, genetic or it was built in us from a young age or watching my dad play when we were young. We always wanted to play. Um, you know, I remember just watching my older brother play when he was eight and I was six. And in Colorado, tackle football started in set at uh, seven years old. And I just remember I wanted to be like him so much. And, I, you know, we would throw my dad's pads on and we would play in anything that we could ever do, whether it was two-on-two basketball, whether it was like knee football, we'd go out in the snow and play, crush the carrier. It was like, we were always doing something and I just wanted to play so bad. And so, um, the moment that I, you know, started to play football at seven years old, I, I loved it. 
but the same was basketball. The same was baseball and track. And growing up, I did, I did all, all sports. You know, I just wanted to do something. I wanted to play in the NFL. And then when basketball season rolled around, I wanted to play in the NBA. When baseball season running around, ran around, I wanted to play, you know, professional baseball and ran track and did all of it. You know, I, I played three sports all through my senior year. And, um, that's one thing I was appreciative of my parents is they, they always wanted us, um, what you know whatever we did they wanted us to do it 100 percent and uh that was you know they encouraged playing multiple sports they didn't you know and that i i i recognize now that there's less of that going on because you know the sport world the youth sport world now is so demanding on all year round for baseball and basketball and all these different sports well i you know i grew up in a great time where you know my parents encouraged me to do multiple sports so soon as football season ended, we'd take, a, you know, maybe like five days off and we'd go right into basketball season and the same would go into track season. So, um, but whatever I was doing, I was doing with my brothers. And uh, I was just so fortunate to have two um, extremely committed parents to, um, you know, giving us every opportunity we could to live out our dreams. And especially my mom, right? My dad, and you know how this is, Greg, but my dad played I think my dad retired when, when I was seven years old or, uh, Max was nine. And so, um, for, for all those years, my mom was, uh, did a lot of the work when it came to parenting, obviously. And, um, that takes a lot. And, and just to see how she selflessly did that, um, how she supported him and looking back, knowing how challenging that was, it's something that's remarkable. And, and like you said, she, she really is the star of the family. Wow. Well, we appreciate you popping in. I know you got, I know you got a few things that you're running to, but when you heard, so just for the record, this interview was with Lisa and then Christian found out that I was interviewing his mom and he got super jealous and yeah. he got super bent yeah. out of shape. So he's like, Hey, can I come it's on like begging? So we rewrote the, we rewrote the rundown to just like give him a chance to mm -hmm. talk right. and make sure he got his, he got his fill. So we're going to allow Christian. Now he got his fix. Um, we love you. You're amazing. You. Greatest thing ever. You're so why you didn't, you didn't, I didn't give you enough love uh, in the intro or looking part, the one with the shirt off. I just, can you do that one one more time? I, they, so, I don't know if you guys have seen that. Christian. Um, he was in a magazine. It's a small publication. It's called GQ. Is oh, that no, what they call it? One. You don't have to talk about that one. I just mean in general, right? Like at the pool or something. No, no. I, Let's listen, talk about that GQ I, spread. I've, I've I've stood in many hot tubs with Christian <laughs> McCaffrey with our shirts off. Uh, I'm just going to give a quick public service announcement. You don't want to in November <laughs> when the season's getting long and you're a little bit of an older player and you're not quite in the best shape because, you know, you got like a dad bod. <laughs> You don't want to stand in the hot tub next to Christian McCaffrey just wearing tub shorts. If anyone out there is considering it, don't do it. But how good, how good were our Adele songs, though? Can you oh, give gosh. everyone a little bit no. of a taste? No. Is that, that just, that's, 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 that's special? Yeah, it's special. Yeah, it's special. We got to keep that in the locker room. But just, it, I would give, when people are like, what do you miss? I miss standing in the hot tub with you, with our shirts off singing Adele before a game and I'm not afraid to admit it. So all seriousness, buddy, you're the best. We you're love okay. you. I appreciate you popping on and letting us uh, have some time with your mom here. Now we're going to get all the secrets. Sorry out. about so, Ozark. Ooh. It's all right. All right, buddy. We love you. Thanks all for right. popping in. Thanks nice. for saying what's up.
Bye, Bye, son. All right. Now that Christian's gone, we can, we can really now dive into yeah. to all of the good yeah. stuff. So I just want to transition to a little bit. A lot of what we discuss here is we want to hear from the parents. We want to hear from the coaches. We want to hear about what it's like, not only raising four boys and NFL superstars, mm-hmm. like that, that obviously is, is unique to your story, but just the parenting component of navigating youth sports in today's culture is very different than the culture I grew up in or the culture you grew up in. So one of the biggest things we talk a lot about, and I've talked a lot about is parenting each kid differently, right? So you have, you have four boys. Um, again, they all go on to play college football, go on to the NFL, go on to have, but I would imagine if it's anything like, you know, I was growing up with two brothers and now raising three kids, everyone had very different needs. So as you're kind of navigating this sports world and you know, you have Max, your oldest and Christian and Dylan and Luke, even though they're on a similar path, I would imagine along the way, there's different, there's kind of different paths that they take. So what is parenting (laughs) different children look like? And how do we make sure we don't just take the same approach that our oldest kid took and say, all right, all three boys, they're all going to do the same thing their older brother did. Like, how do we avoid that? Yeah. Well, I, one thing I was, I learned that when each kid came out, they came out with their own personality, their own traits. Um, each one thrived, um, by a different coaching style. I can attest to that because, um, Max, my oldest, uh, incredible athlete, faster than Christian, to be honest. Um, I think Christian would admit it too, um, was more, he was the oldest child, very conscientious, very sensitive, um, completely different than Christian, then completely different than Luke too. The Luke's the youngest. Um, and obviously very different than Dylan too, the third one. They all came out with a completely different personality. Um, and Ed in particular, once he started coaching them in Little League, had to learn to um navigate all that. And and you know, you'd walk on eggshells. So um there were some of the kids you could say, Ed could, and I a little bit, even though I'd never played football, but you can say directly to them, like, Hey, don't do that, do this or do this, don't do that. And they're fine. But some others are a little more sensitive. So you're almost walking on eggshells with that. And you're trying to like figure out the best way to coach them in a positive, healthy way. And, um, one thing that Ed did in particular, which I thought was great. He, he, well, first off, he never coached Christian, um, Christian was on a really, really good, this is, and this is all, uh, pooling mostly from, uh, football, their football experience. Cause that's the only thing that Ed really coached. Um, and he coached most of them in little league, all of them actually except Christian, <laughs> um, he coached, um, Max, but what Max was really sensitive, very conscientious. So he would, he would take another coach and have that guy, he would tell him things and then he would tell Max and they'd play off each other. And then Ed would help coach that guy's son um, to make him better or whatnot. So um, he learned, he learned to do that. So it was, Ed was never as according in Max would hear criticism as opposed to like, Hey, I'm trying to make you better. He would immediately think, Oh, I'm doing something wrong. And that was something Ed had to learn. He had to learn to navigate because he was way more sensitive. Dylan, same thing. He was a little more sensitive. So, and ironically, he's coaching him now in college, which is uh, a whole nother bag of worms. So and, we're going to get there. Yeah, we're going to get there. But I mean, this is just little league he was trying to deal with. Whereas like Christian would come off the field and Ed could say, Hey, what were you thinking here? Maybe try this and could be really direct with him. And he would just take it and, um, and he'd thrive on, he would love it. He'd love the criticism. He'd love hearing it. Whereas the others were a lot more sensitive and that's just the nature of their personalities. Um, Max just thrived, thrived listening to somebody else tell him what to do rather than his own dad. Cause I think he felt like he was letting his dad down or his dad was criticizing him. And he, uh, you know, he, he didn't like that. Um, and there was a time I remember Max was a really good basketball player and, and uh, in little league, he was playing for a school team 
And um, he was starting to like freak out if he'd miss a shot. And we're like, whoa, you know, he was so, he'd get so upset, so competitive. So we had to like sit him down. And I remember the coach was so upset about it. We had to literally say, look, you can't play if you can't, you know, compose yourself. You're going to miss. It's a game of misses. It happens. You know, you're going to, you almost had to, we didn't know, to be honest, we didn't know the right thing to do at the time. It was our first kid. So we made all our mistakes with poor Max, <laughs> who's actually a great guy. He's a really cool kid. He's a cool person now. But I mean, he's definitely um, sensitive. And oh my gosh, he's now coaching with Ed, which is, I swear we need a reality show. It's just, it's up in Greeley, Colorado, which is pretty funny. So, but um, yeah, so Max is, Max is coaching with Ed. Yes. Obviously your husband is the head coach in Northern Colorado. Yes. Max is coaching with him, your oldest. And then Dylan, your third, he's playing for them at Northern Colorado. So they're all yeah. back together oh, it's, again. So you don't even know. It's, that's, it's so I can good. only imagine. Well, we're going to, we're going to get into that Ugh. here in a second, but I want to stay on this point. Cause I think it's a really good point. I go through that a lot. Yeah. What are you coaching? My different, you know, coaching my kids, they have my oldest. I can be very direct with him. And sometimes I'm too direct. And sometimes I come across as, but he, for the most part, 90% of the time he can take it. Yeah. You know, it's water off a duck's back. He's a yeah. little more competitive. My twins, my, my nine-year-old boy and girl, if I'm, if I'm too hard on them, they get a lot, they'll take a back seat and I almost, the rest of the practice would almost be. So I almost have to be on eggshells. So that, that method of kind of having like a secondary person to pass the message for some reason, kids are a lot more willing to hear feedback, constructive criticism, corrections, accountability from someone other than their parent when they're at a coaching. And I, I just think it's because they're used to us being on them at home and then they go to practice and it's like a new voice. But that's a really, that's a really good lesson. I think a lot of people can take from this that like sometimes knowing your kid, yeah. you can get the message across, but sometimes it's just in a different manner. Right. Right. And we, you know, we had to learn that through mistakes and, you know, feelings yeah. were hurt along the way, but um, you, you eventually navigate it and you figure it out and um, it made them better eventually, you know, by doing it that yeah. way. So, and it's, I, it's so funny because Max sort of turned around later, later on, once he started playing the NFL, he's playing receiver. And I think somewhere along the way, he all of a sudden realized, wow, wait a minute, my dad's an all pro receiver. That's willing to give me time and teach me how to get open on routes. Oh. It like, it was almost like a little epiphany one off season. And, and we're like, yeah, where have you been? Like he's been sitting here the whole time wanting to help you. So yeah, there was, that was kind of a neat little breakthrough. And, um, but, but yeah, he, it, it, he had to learn, learn big time. And we'd always like have somebody else sort of tell him what to do, which was good. So uh, isn't that yeah. the kids don't think their parents know anything. They don't, they it's, still uh, don't. They still don't. It's they funny. Still don't. They still don't. Yeah. Uh, you have, you have a quote that I've read and I've actually heard you say this. I've actually heard you firsthand say yeah. this. And you said, you're only as happy as your least miserable child. As yeah. And I think, and I think, you know, again, I, I see it firsthand Shoot. in, in our house and, and sometimes you're sitting at the kitchen table, right. And, and one kid had a really good week, whether right. it was in school or whether it was a great tournament, they were the MVP, whatever it was. And you almost feel like you want to give that kid love and praise. And, a, and then you, then you're like, all right, I don't want to go too overboard because my other two are sitting in there and they didn't have quite the same weekend. So like, yeah. what was your approach yeah. towards supporting each kid individually, but making sure one kid was never perceived as being higher on the food chain or more successful, less successful? Like, how did you manage yeah. that as the mom? Like, I think back to my mom managing three boys. And to this day, she is very, very careful that all three boys feel valued. Right. Same. Absolutely. Yeah. She's very, so like how, what was your approach to that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Every week was an adventure. And just like you said, one, one kid would, you know, thrive one week and another kid would have a horrible, horrible weekend or what, or week or whatever. Um, yeah. You're constantly 
trying to balance it out, always trying to balance it out. But at the same time, you get to a point where like, okay, if someone, if someone's going to do well one week, you should praise them. And that's actually a good lesson for another kid who, okay, didn't, yep. didn't do so well. It's okay to hear. It's okay to be competitive. It's okay to, to want to do your best and try to do your best, but it's okay to fail too, or, or not, not do as well as your brother. And, you know, maybe if you look and see what he did to achieve whatever he did, you could try to emulate that a little bit. So I don't, it's, it's, it's definitely very difficult, but as a mom, you do want all of them to feel valued. And a, a lot of it though, once we'd get home, we wouldn't, we'd sort of shut it down a little bit. We try to just not talk about sports as much because, you know, I mean, my gosh, we were, you know what it's like. You're, I mean, I knew you were like in Atlanta for like two weeks with playing bat, playing oh baseball God. or it would seem like two weeks, I'm sure. But yeah, we were constantly on like the road. Month. We're always in the car. We're always, you know, talking about the upcoming game or what happened in the game. And, you know, at some point you just got to kind of like shut it down and relax and, and play, let them play video games and let them just play. So, um, but, but yeah, it's always just a, you're always walking that fine tightrope, like trying to to make everyone feel valued and appreciated, which, you know, I don't know. I'm sure we screwed up along the way, but we tried. I tried my best. That's all I can say. I don't have any magic it's all... magic pill to say, this is how I did it. This is what I did. But I did try to make everyone feel valued and even no matter even if someone didn't do as well as the other one. So it was a, it was a struggle. Yeah. It still is. It still is a struggle. So you know. did you ever compare the boys versus each other? No. Did you ever say like, Christian, look what di-. I try not to yeah. do that with more so with my boys, right? but obviously just comparing because they do a lot of the same things. Like I try my best to never be like, you see your brother, he did that so good. Why don't you do that? Like, no, did you find yourself like consciously to try to stay away and not do the whole compare the yeah, brother thing? I did and, not do that at all, at all. Yeah. Um, that I think is kind of dysfunctional. Like that's, that would be yeah. tough to hear. So no, you, you kind of yeah. just look at each one and, you know, they're within their own parameters and they're doing their own thing. One good thing that with us, like particularly football, they all played a different position except the younger two. Um, but they would, that was kind of nice. So, I, I mean, I look back at some of the um, high school videos and there's some cool plays we have where Max is blocking, making a block that would spring Christian for a touchdown. Like that, that was like, oh my yeah. gosh, I felt the most pride whenever I'd see something like that. That was really neat. But, but no, I never head to head compared them at all. I thought, no way. I mean, they do enough of that themselves. They compete with each other all the time. They're, they're getting plenty of that. They're getting plenty of competition. So, um, I tried yeah. not to do that at all. So, um, yeah, sometimes the mom's like the referee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the mom's yeah. role is like, <laughs> yeah, they get enough of that. No, I know. And you mentioned Ed, you mentioned Ed was really involved. Your husband, Ed, yeah. um, coached them. Obviously everyone watching assumingly knows Ed obviously had a long, you know, long, long career, Super Bowl champion, primarily with the Broncos, um, which is why obviously you guys grew up in Colorado and still live there today. When Ed was coaching them, you know, you mentioned some of his methods of, of trying to figure out the best ways to get through to each of the boys. Did Ed bring, did Ed bring the practices or the games at a young age? Did he bring them home? Like, did he bring that home as far as like sitting around? You said you tried to shut it down, but like, what was his personality? Like I've been around Ed. He's Seems like a pretty mellow and a pretty low key guy. Is that how he coached? Was that his model of coaching the boys? Yeah, Ed's. Um, what's the saying? Um, speak softly and carry a big stick. He's. Um, yeah. All their friends are are to this day are intimidated by Coach Ed. It's the funniest thing. They're like, Mister Head. They're, they're all so intimidated, and he's a man of few words. But when he speaks, the kids like listen. They have like a weird respect for him, which is it's kind of nice. I don't see it. I don't get it. But they're like, they, they, to this day, they talk about it. They're like, yeah, they were, they were all scared of Ed. 
And I don't know why, maybe because he's quiet, I think. I think that's why, because yeah. he's kind of quiet. But <clears throat> no, would he, he would, well, sometimes he'd come home and I was always at a different practice. So I would ask, hey, how did it go? How did Dylan do? Or how did this, this, whatever. So he would tell me about it. But um, some, there are times even to this day where he, he, he'll go over plays. It's more, um, more, uh, he's going over plays. He's going over, over things that they can, you know, do, not so much like, criticizing but like more trying to teach them um then then he'll do that in the house a little bit um but at some point i do have to say you need to shut up and let's move on let's watch tv or let's you know do something else because it does get overwhelming with all four playing with him coaching now and him coaching back then yeah it would sometimes he would bring it home a little bit but not excessively but there were some times i did have to say look you need to calm down just a smidge yeah it's a little bit. I, I need to, that, that's something that I struggle with. Yeah. Like I'll go coach the teams and then I'll come home at night yeah. and I'm rethinking the whole practice right. or the game or what, what ways we can get better. And I'll call the kids and be like, Hey, and next week's practice or today's practice, you didn't do this good. And, and eventually Kara, my wife, she's like, yeah, enough. We've been doing this since nine this morning. Right. Good. You guys have been at the fields for eight hours. Yeah. Like, can we stop? I'm like, I know, but if I don't get this uh, yeah. out of my head now, tomorrow's i don't know so that's I, a good I balance i like that she other... does that that's good that kara does that because i had to do yeah, that too I, sometimes and you're just like whoa enough already so it becomes obsessive yeah it becomes obsessive like it's all you think about and you feel this like crazy responsibility right. not only to your own kids but, but to the other kids and it's very hard to shut that down. So yeah. I was just curious what Ed's approach was. Yeah, he did. You know, coaching he, them. He definitely uh, does. As a young guy, yeah. we we recently went yeah. out to Charlotte for a week, and Dylan came out. And at one point, I I looked at Dylan. He gave me those eyes, like, "Can he please? Can we please not go over game plans right now? I don't really want to watch the Houston Baptist defense. Let's can we just go fishing?" So I'm like, "Okay, enough." So I know it's it's sometimes it gets it gets a little much, but that's how Ed thinks, just like you. He's like, "Well, wait, but if I, you know, we figure this out now, we don't have to worry about it in practice." And yeah, so I know. But prepare yeah it's definitely I get it. a little obsessive I compulsive <laughs> i share that with ed I'm, i probably say a few more words than him but we do share that common mm -hmm. thread a another thing that we talk about a lot on this show about is the role of the parents in the confines of the team right and so much you know whether it's conflict the, the experience of the child on their youth sports team is so predicated on the experience of the entire family. How involved are the family, you know, the parents, how do the parents get along? How do the right. parents interact with the coach, vice versa? What was your, what were your experiences? Like, what was your approach as, as a mom? Were you like hyper involved in all aspects of the team? Were you like team mom? Were you kind of the mom who sat out, you know, in the stands kind of kept to herself? Like, what was your approach as the boys were playing on all these different teams scattered around town? Like how involved were you on a day-to-day -day basis into the experience of the boys on their teams? That's a good question. Cause I do think they feed off that. I really do looking back. I didn't at the time, but um, to be honest, I was not, never the team mom. I was not organizing the team parties. I was not doing any of that. Partly I had four and I didn't have time, but it, even when it got down, I was only dealing with two. I was not that person at all. I figured they got enough. That's their time to get away from their parents um, and to, you know, kind of blaze their own trail. Um, that I don't didn't feel like they wanted their parents. I I I was always trying to get them to practice on time and to the right gym or the right field. That was sort of my job. Um, you know, after if they had an issue or they you know wanted to talk about it, of course I would talk about it. But a lot of times I remember take dropping them off and then like going for a run during practice, trying to do something for myself because yeah. it it gets really tedious and it's a lot you know a lot of practice. But and you know try to show up to as many games as I could and. Um, yeah, I mean, I but I enjoyed the games. I'll be honest; I actually did enjoy it. Um, you know, I I 
it was fun. They were fun, especially youth. They were on some really good, high power, strong teams and it's, and they were fun. And I, I got, you know, I would cheer and stuff. But I mean, I don't think I was ever super inappropriate except the one time I yelled at a ref in a basketball game, but that's was just a one-time deal. Tell that us was, what did let's you, what not happened? Tell us what happened. <laughs> Tell us. Come on. Uh, this so, is a, uh, this is a safe space. Yeah. This is a safe it's a safe space. space. Well, once again, I met, oh goodness. Um, just Dylan, um, was playing basketball. So basketball here in Colorado in high school is it, I, it's like, it's absurd. Like, well, first of all, so you play on the, um, the league teams where you travel the bas- This is basketball in particular. And, yeah. um, Dylan was pretty tall and he was really tough. He was pretty tough. So we play out of state and it was like, almost like a bloodbath and it was really physical and he would thrive in that. I mean, he loved it. That's, you know, and he would, th- he did really well. He, oh my gosh, he had to go up against like some guys that ended up playing the NBA and did really well against him at the time. And, um, so, so we, and they, you know, they're like keeping hand on him, keep a hand on there, like, giving him all those then we'd come back fast forward and come back to the high school level and you'd play. And if you literally put a hand on a back, like while you're doing, they blow a whistle and call, call foul. So Dylan, <laughs> Dylan probably had more fouls than any of my kids fouled out of more games. And there was one that I just felt like the referee was targeting him. Um, and well, it was probably that when, when he got out there, um, the whole student section was yelling Derrick Henry right after Christian lost the Heisman. So I might have been a little bit on edge at the time. But anyway, um, which is, yeah, <laughs> thanks. So but in basketball gyms, you hear everything. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, you don't even do know. You ever. Oh, it's so it's the best. It's, is it though? Is it? <laughs> um, I loved it. Uh, I, hearing you describe like that competitive uh, environment and the crowd yelling, but, like I'm, I'm sure my mother hated yeah, it. As a mom, I live. I I loved away games. I, I loved away games. I, I, lo- I wish I was I there. I wish too. you were there, Greg. I wish you were there. I still love it because you can't say anything. Did you just go? Lo- you, did you just? You can't do anything as a parent. You can't. You have to shut your mouth. Otherwise, you look like an ass. You know, if I go start yelling in the students, I've looked section, like an ass. I, I. Yeah, you can't. I wanted yeah, you can't to look. You, I couldn't do it. You couldn't, and you know, and all. So every time he touched the ball, they would chant Derrick Henry. Then the referee gets on him, and I promise you, those weren't. I, I look to this day, they weren't fouls. So anyway, I yell. I yelled at the ref. That's all. It. That's all. I didn't get kicked out or anything. Uh, but yeah, that was it. Oh, but then uh, it, I was. I was hoping this was going to be a better. Better. I might have yelled pretty pretty bad. Well, then at the end, then he, the referee. I, I said something to him as he was walking out, and he said something back, <laughs> and then Ed, <laughs> Christian, and Max like like pulled him aside and like they got mad. It was just a, it was the worst. It was just embarrassing. It was bad. I was bad. I was just uh, whatever. I love it. I try so hard. Sorry, to we be all, calm. We've all we've had, had our, our moments. We've all okay, had our thank moments, you. But, Feeling better. You, <laughs> you said, trust me, I've had way worse moments than that. Um, but oh, you, you mentioned something there, which was actually a direction we were going to go. And you mentioned that you feel like they were targeting him growing up in Colorado. Of course, everyone knew Ed, everyone knew your family, the last name. Now the boys are starting to have a lot of success, starting with Max. And then, you know, then there, here comes Christian. He's the next brother. Then there comes Dylan. He's the next of the McCaffrey brothers. Then of course, Luke, he's the four. So like you start building up that, you know, that reputation and the boys do have a target on their back. Like mm-hmm. what was that like for you? Like, I always think back with my mom, like she would sit in the stands yeah, you and had three boys, you know, my dad, playing, my yeah. dad's coaching and <laughs> me and my older brother are on the field together. And we were everybody's target in town. You know, everyone wanted to beat my dad. They didn't <laughs> like him. They thought he was a bully. They thought he was too intense. And then here comes his two boys that are both division one players. Now they're kind of teaming up. Like, so people showed up at, at ball fields and, and games to like beat the Olsen boys in our small little hometown. Right. So like, I would imagine the same things happening with you. Like I'm tired of losing to the McCaffrey boys. So like, how did you handle seeing your boys, as you said, taunted by the crowd, 
Oh, Greg, you don't even know. Greg, you don't even know. How long do we got? (laughs) Yeah, there. We have as long as you want. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there's. there's, Can we just do a therapy session here? Oh, um, yeah, no, we've had some, we've had some. Okay, keep in mind, there were some amazing moments throughout all, all the whole experience, especially high yeah. school. But there were some where I was literally crying on the floor of my, my closet. It was just just because of what you're exactly saying, the target, the the yeah. animosity people had. So here, so my old Max went to a different high school before Valor, where they went. And um yep. that at that high school, they were trying to they were pressuring him to only play basketball. The basketball coach was really just wanted to play basketball. And we felt like he was gonna penalize him if he did both. They had a new football coach who we didn't know very much about at the time, and we're like, I don't know, this is sort of taking a chance. We um ended up two weeks before school started transferring him to Valor Christian High School, brand new school. It was 3A. They had a losing, losing season the year before. So keep in mind, this was not for football that we transferred. We paid full tuition for him to go there. Um, and but we just wanted to go so he could play multiple sports and not get penalized. We thought that was really important. And they they welcomed him with open arms. They said, yes, you can. It was a it was a smaller school that was building. And I felt like they were doing everything right. Met the football coaches, fell in love with them. Great guys. Um, the basketball coach was great at the time. Um, so anyway, it it was uh, that was the main reason we left. But though it seemed like everyone was up in arms because valor started doing well after that not not just trust there was a good flux of kids that were starting to to triculate there um yep. and and so anyway they started doing better the next year they they won um i think they anyway they won 3a then they got moved up to 4a and then christian ca- came to the school max was there um and some other phenomenal players a lot of other players that played um you know a high level anyway they ended up winning Four A two years and three years in a row, and then five A two years. They moved up to five A and won that where there. Well, the whole town that anybody that was involved in sports at the time hated Valor, accused them of recruiting, and um, one one of the coaches went on Channel Seven and said that Ed McCaffrey was the biggest recruiter. You know, recruiting's illegal in high school, by the way. So just so you know, was went on nine Channel Seven right before. Um, Thanksgiving that year and said that he was the biggest recruiter and all the thing and accusing Ed. Okay. Just, you know, Ed had nothing to do with the school at the time. We paid full tuition. Our kids went there. He didn't have it and purposely didn't have anything to do with it, but they're saying, uh, saying that Ed was the biggest recruiter. It was, it was absolutely insane. So it was, that was one thing. And then one time Christian was playing um, and scored, scored a touchdown in the end zone and a lo- another high school that was nearby, the head coach was in the end zone in his letterman jacket started screaming at Christian going, you saying bad words <laughs> and call, saying him that you're illegal. This is illegal. You shouldn't be here screaming at him during the game. Well, his team wasn't even playing so dysfunctional. This like, puffed up guy it's with his a- own letterman jacket. It, it's mind boggling. Then I laugh. I laugh because <laughs> get what ready. you're describing, I lived, I yeah. lived my whole life. Uh, I get oh, it. His, Christian's get it. freshman year. They're in the, um, the, the state state championship at um, Broncos stadium. Um, and he's playing and he had, a, and he was a freshman, keep in mind. So he has a really nice run down the sideline. It gets pushed out of bounds into the other team's like area. And one of the coaches looks down at him on the ground and goes, I think I'm going to say a bad word, but whatever. He goes, you're a b- just like your dad. <laughs> and Christian, the best oh looks up at him and goes, I'm 14 years old and like runs off the field. That was, that's my favorite <laughs> I, I thing that's ever happened. I was like, Oh, I, that made me so happy. I loved it. So anyway, those were just a few so of the what- highlights. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and again, it's yeah. bananas. Yeah, and I, it there's was, a lot of people right now that are going to be listening to this and they're going to be shaking their heads. Like I get yeah. it. I, I see it happening in our hometown, but what was, when you'd get the boys home yeah. 
and you and Ed would sit down and you'd say, all right, what happened today? People are coming. Like, how did you communicate? This was going to be their reality. There was no protecting them. There was no putting them in a bubble. They all knew who the family was. They all knew the brothers. They knew that you weren't escaping that. What was the conversations at home to help prepare them for that? Uh, uh, I was, I remember I was like, I was, I get nervous. I was like, I was always hyped up. I was always, I was always nervous at the time, but I remember trying so hard to find like some peace within me to portray to the kids, like, just be calm, just do what you do, just play your game. But inside I had like, oh my gosh, I had like butterflies. I had just, I just felt horrible. I was like sick all the time. Like I was just nervous all the time for them because you want to protect them, just like you said, and you, you, you know, course. you're throwing them out to the wolves and you can't, you know, and, and I get sports are hard enough, you know, just to compete against the other team, let alone you have all this animosity, all this hate. I will say the one good thing that was awesome is I felt like Everybody hated Valor. Everyone hated our high school, hated us and everything. But as a community within our own little community, the, everybody, we all had our own, we all had our backs. Like that little, that time that they went to that school, it was, a, it was small enough. Still those moms and we still talk about it to this day. It was actually, we had such a nice tight knit uh, group and nice bond that, that, that was, that made it better. I remember feel better. I would, I would feel better sitting in the stands with those parents. Cause we were all in the same boat. Like everyone hated us. So that was one good thing, but, um, but no, it, I'll be honest. It was not, it was not the easiest time in that sense, but looking back, it was amazing. Cause they did well, like it was fun. That was a really fun time, especially now that, you know, the Panthers haven't done so great the last couple of years. It's hard to lose. It's not fun to lose. It's, you know, good life lessons, but man, so looking back at those, I don't even think I appreciated enough at the time because um, they had some really good teams and they were fun to be a part of and, you know, fun to contribute to. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I just let, I personally, I let some of that, that outside stuff spoil a little bit of the fun, but whatever it is, what it is looking back now, it's kind of funny. You have I to think laugh. we all do. I wish I was more yeah, like you, I, Greg. I, I wish I, I was more it. like you and I, I no, could like fight oh, back. No. So I was like, oh, oh, I, oh yeah, I, I, it, yeah, what I, would you I am do if you're back. one of your sons, let's say Tate's out there in a basketball game, because the basketball is the worst because it's a, I mean, people scream at football, but you don't hear it because they're on the other side of the stadium. So you don't hear most of it unless the coach is sitting right next to you. Anyway, that's a whole nother. Anyway, no, I have, I, I've told this story on here before. I, Tate was pitching in a tournament last fall, like a big tournament. It was the final game and he's pitching and it was neck and neck and going back and forth. And the other parents, it was a team from California and they were getting kind of rowdy and they were starting to kind of rag them and, um, they were saying that he was out of pitches. So I walked to the backstop and I was like, we'll manage our kid. You guys don't worry about our kids. When it's time for him to come out, we'll take him out. So I was kind of like passive aggressive, being a jerk, trying to like set the tone that you're not going to talk to our kids. You're not going to talk to our, you cheer on your kids. We'll coach ours. So the next batter, they say, yes, he can start this next batter. And the kid hits a home run. So it's his last batter he faces. We have to take him out of the game because of his pitch count rules. Mm. And he's like crushed. He just pitched five and a third <laughs> innings. And the kid hit a home run to take the lead four to three after a battle all game. And as he's walking off the field, their parents in the stands oh. start like, yeah, good. You should have taken him out. You know, it should have been his last pitch. You know, but it's, you know, whatever. So they start taunting him. So I walk over there. And again, you, you talk about having a moment that you're probably not proud of, but you watch you your kid being taunted by adults. Totally. Yes. Listen, if the other kids on the team want to taunt him and my kid came up to me and said, Hey, the kid at second base told me I'm an asshole. I'd be like, fight back. Yeah. Like not, not literally right. fight back, but like Deal go compete. Yeah. Like if you don't want to be called a <laughs> on the sideline, 
go fight back. Go, you know what I mean? Like go. Uh, but when it's the adults yeah. is where I draw the line. Totally. So I walked over to the fence and I walked back there and I said, Hey, listen, guys, <laughs> you guys are picking the wrong fight here. The wrong kid. I am. You want to cheer for your kid. You want to stomp the bleachers. You can scream as loud as you want. But don't. You are not going to taunt my kid walking off. He's 10 years old and walking off the mound after he just went toe to toe with you guys. And like, I felt like I had to do it just to set. And now we weren't going to like fight, fight. Right. And I did it relatively quietly. I didn't scream it across the field, but like sometimes you do need to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm only willing to take so much. Right. And you need to nip it in the bud and the rest of the game for the remaining inning, they were fine. And after the game, we all went our separate ways and it wasn't an issue, but watching it's not easy to watch your kid be a target. And that's something that I struggle with living here in Charlotte. Yeah. Every single time my kids show up to a game, people know who they are right. and they want to see, are they good? Uh -huh. Are they bad? Has he act when he strikes out? And I try to communicate with that, that with my kids. I said, listen, I know you guys didn't sign up for this, but this is the reality. So you're either going to embrace it and you're going to accept it or you're going to let it ruin your experience. So yeah, when you strike out, everybody in this ballpark is watching how you respond. They're not, you know, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. And you better act the right way. Come back in, put your bat down, go cheer your teammates. And we'll go on to the next inning. Like whether you like it or not, when you have a target on your back, cause people know who you are, it's hard. It's stressful. The parents feel it, but the kids, they have no choice. Either the choice is you either yeah. don't play or you let it crush you. And th that's it. Right. And you can't, you can't lead it. They can't let either happen. Right. Right. No, that's a, yeah, so, that's a good way to do it. That was good. You talked it out with them. So yeah, it's hard. You're like living in money. You keep thinking, yeah, no, that's way healthier. That's probably very, a lot healthier than it, not that we didn't do anything about it, but we didn't know what to do. No, like we were like in shock that it no, was I, happening that, like you said, I was in shock that other parents and other coaches were treating kids like that. Like I was just, I couldn't believe crazy. it. That's what I couldn't believe more than anything. Yeah. I was like, wow, I can't believe this happened. But, and you know, Hey, I think it made him stronger in a way, I guess, you know, and it made us, you know what else it no, did? I, it made us bond, made our little family unit, our family unit bond and know we have each other's back no matter what, which was good. So, you know, we'd come, come home and be like, can you believe course. they did and that? Don't ever be that person. That's so dysfunctional. That's so off. Yeah. And teaching and teaching your kids who their real friends are and their family and their teammates and their little, as you mentioned, your tight community there at Valor, mm -hmm. like those are the lessons. Like we don't need the outside people, right. their opinions on us mean nothing. And I think that lesson is super important today where everyone's looking for affirmation from people mm -hmm. who don't matter. Right. Like so get affirmation from your parents, your family, your close friends, your teammates, like those are the people who matter. So the other, you know what I mean? But until you go through it, the best part of the, just hearing you talk about it, that sticks with me is like, you made your kids be their own advocates. Like mommy's not coming to the rescue. Like even when I went over and said that to those parents, yeah. My kid had no idea. Oh, he didn't. I was going to ask. I don't you, even yeah. know if he knows. To, well, now no, he does. He had, I, I am not going to fight my kids' battles no, for them. Right. And sometimes I want to, and I'll do things behind the scenes with adults. Like kids are kids. Right. He's got to fight his own battles. Right. He has an issue on the playground at school. You got to figure it out. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not calling the other kid's parent and like <laughs> solving your disputes. But I think teaching kids to be their own advocates is super helpful. It's healthy. It's you got to go out and live the real world and fight. So I hearing the way you guys approached it and just letting, letting the kids deal with the reality of what they were facing growing up in your community, I think is, you know, a big testament to why they've all been so successful and 
dealt with their own ups and downs and dealt with their own adversities. That's all of us. That's reality. Yeah. That's life. That's right? life. Yeah. Sports is like the ultimate microcosm for life. You know, it really is like yeah. one game is like, there's so many ups and downs in one game. It's just like, it's, it's like life. So, and it's how you deal with it. That's important. How you, you know, come out, you know, after yeah. having a bad play, you know, how do you deal with it? So you're going to dust off and keep going, or are you going to cry and pout and not go back out there? So yeah, yeah. we tried. <laughs> so, so- Hey, hey, listen, yeah, you got trying. better answers than I do because no. I'm just starting this race. You guys are at least yeah. further down the road. Good luck. <laughs> One thing I do want to, I do want to, yeah, that's all you can do yeah, is I wish know. everyone luck. I, mean, I do want to go back though to Ed. Um, he took the job at North, Northern Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this his third season, se- second season? Okay, with COVID, we don't even know what season it is. Yeah, He's had right. one so whenever, legit season last year, but he was a coach, the right. coach the year before. So I think two and a half, maybe now at this point, almost three, okay. but one season on the field he's actually coached. <laughs> and and as you mentioned, Max, your oldest yep. who played at Duke, then played in the NFL for a while as a receiver. He's on his staff. And then Dylan, who was at Michigan, he transfers, he goes now and plays with Ed. Your youngest Luke is at Rice, still play, you know, st- uh, is at Rice, still in college. Talk to me about what that dynamic is like. So Ed is coaching with his son yeah, and, and they're both coaching son slash brother. Correct. Oh, wow. I, what, I what think is, we need, how, we do how, need a reality show. We do. It's, inc- it's, I, I would it's watch insane. It. I it's, would watch it. I, the stuff we've, we've gone through, um, is last year is crazy. So yes, Ed is the head coach. Max is the offensive coordinator and Dylan is the quarterback. So you do the math. Um, all I, all I can say is I thank God every day for the other coaches on the staff. So once again, they have like a really cool quarterback coach. Who's awesome. Um, a guy named JJ. So Ed has a, something he wants to, you know, tell Dylan, Hey, you got to move your shoulder or whatever, this and that he'll go through JJ to tell Dylan. That's one thing that's helped. Um, Dylan is better though. Now that he's older and is way more mature, he can handle a little more like direct criticism. I, I hate saying criticism, but it's instruction. Ed's not a yeller. Yeah, yeah. Ed's not a yeller. I'll say that. I'm, I'm more of the yeller. <laughs> um, Ed's more of the, cause you know, they listen when I yell, right? Come on. <laughs> How yeah. are they going to learn if I don't yell? Different ways of communicating. <laughs> yeah. No, Ed's. Wait, I'm a yeller. Yeah, so am I. Okay, good. good. Um, but anyway, you know, he, he'll do, he'll go through just, so the other coaches, it's, it's, it is nice to have other coaches on the staff. Thank God. But yeah, no, the dynamic with Max and Dylan is funny and Ed and Dylan is funny. And then Ed and Max it's, it's, oh, it's, there's a lot. Like I'll sometimes I'm sort of the intermediary. I'll get a call from, or Ed will come home and vent about something like, you know, Max isn't doing it the way I, you know, I showed him and, you know, they're not doing this and I'm doing an outside zone and he's doing inside, whatever it is. And then Max will, Max will call me like a couple hours later. He's like, you know, I'm just trying to get this through to dad. Like, I just think he's old school and he's not doing it like this. And he's like, and they said, I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you guys. Just, I try to, you know, talk each of them, like calm each of them down. And then usually once they get a good night's sleep and they go back in the office and discuss it the next day, they're both, sometimes they're even arguing about the same thing, which is really funny. It's just, you know, they don't communicate perfectly, but they do, they have worked it out. It's actually been, last year was better than I thought it was going to be. I thought there'd be way more fights, way more disagreements. I mean, definitely issues, but I don't think it was more abnormal than another coaching staff. I'll be honest. Um, actually, I yeah. don't know, but they're all dysfunctional. Right. They're all, oh, they, the they coaching staffs are, are I, God bless coaches, wives, all coaches, wives. That's all I can say. They are the strongest women. I know they're at home raising families while their husband's raising another family. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's insane. It's, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. That is the best way I've ever heard <laughs> really? it put. Cause you know that's what it's re- like? You, Ed feels responsible for every yeah. kid on that team. Of course. He, well, that was happening too. Then he'd come home and tell me stories about the, these kids. Like, Good, bad, everything. And I'm like, 
I, I would like my heart bleeds for some of the kids or, you know, you're just you're you feel so horrible. for. And I had to say, stop, because my I physically can't handle this anymore because, you know, you, he feels responsible for every kid on his team. He brought them in. You know, he's given them scholarships. He wants them to succeed and thrive. And, um, you know, it's it's one one thing in today's day and age that we never had. I don't think you even had is they work on mental mental health a lot more. Um, which I think is actually an incredible thing. Like this generation, as dysfunctional as it is with the social media, the one good thing that's come out of it is addressing uh, mental health. And I think that's a really good thing. Cause I think a lot, like I remember Ed going through, uh, and you probably too, going through the NFL and there was like guys that would come in that were the most amazing players on on the planet. They were so good. Ed's like, oh, I'm going to be cut. These guys are so good. But they could, they never made it for whatever reason. And I, I do truly believe after watching him coach college and in a little bit in high school and literally that there's other factors involved that are holding these guys back. It's almost like a, a fear of success. They don't want to succeed for whatever reason. Or there's like a weight holding them down. And I think with the addressing mental illness, some people can get that off their back and talk about it and 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 fix the issues or try to, try, I don't know. There's just a lot of things that have gone on in people's lives that you don't realize in everyone's lives. Everyone totally. has crap. And it's those, well, that's those parents and those families where everything's so perfect and in line and neat. It's like, is it really? I mean, those I think are the most dysfunctional families and parents <laughs> not in the in world. My experience. Yeah. <laughs> those are the ones that are. Well, I'll tell you, that's not, that's not my experience. <laughs> no, yeah, same. We, we all, we all have crap. So we've, we've messed up. We've all met, we've messed up a lot more than I think we've gotten. Right. But yeah. So we just keep moving forward yeah. but to hear you talk about Ed, the fact that Ed does care so much about those kids is why he's going to do a great job. No, I hope so. The coaches who care carry this incredible burden. Yeah. And it's, and sometimes it's overwhelming and you feel this incredible responsibility and burden, but as challenging as that makes it is what makes that person's impact on the group. So special. Oh, well, that's in my opinion. Okay. Can you tell me that mid season this year? <laughs> call me, call me in November. Thank and we'll you. talk. Okay. I will. I will be calling you All right. crying. So one, the last, one of the last things, and I want to end because uh, I think this is super special. So I'm, I'm reading one of your, your posts on Instagram from, Oh God, this was a couple years ago. Cause I was playing with Christian and it says three States, three yeah. games, three days, one missed flight, one five hour delay, no sleep, totally worth it. <laughs> I think through all of this that we're talking about and raising four boys and being the wife of an NFL player who turns into a coach and parenting and the struggles that come with youth sports and the ups and the downs, like to me, the picture of you guys, all four boys, you and Ed together, you're at Panther stadium. So you watch Christian, you got to go up and see Dylan. You got to go see Luke. And I believe was because Max was already he was already done playing, right? Where was Max so on that at the day, time? I been... forget. Yeah, we. I know we went to ne so this Nebraska, just, then watched that game. You went to Nebraska. And then we went to Michigan. You went to Nebraska. Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, so it was Panthers. Dylan, Luke, and Christian. Was, yeah. And Max was with and us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, he was, he's in the picture. So yeah. just like to me, those are the moments that make it all worth it. Yeah. Right? The oh, ups yeah. and the downs and the. So just like describe what those days are like when you put on the TV and you watch your kid play or you go, when you go to Rice this this fall and watch and watch Luke play, or you go to Northern Colorado and watch your boys coach and play. Like that's what, like, those are the moments as a mom, that's just got to make you say these past crazy 20 years all led to this. Yeah. Um, no, I think looking back, even on Ed's career too, I, 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 when you're in it, you don't appreciate it as much, which is so sad. So I'm trying moving forward to appreciate the the good that comes out of it. Like watching Christian have a, have a first down even. I mean, you know, it's just like, oh, you just, you well up. I'm just excited. You know, you, you feel 
so so much pride because you know how much work they've put into it. You know this is their dream. Watching you know Luke switch positions this year. He's he's a receiver and he's so much happier. Oh my gosh, he's so excited. And I watched him out in his spring game and he just thrived and he came off like just the happiest kid. That those are the moments that makes it all worth it because I see the struggle. I see how how hard each of them work at their own craft. Um, and then if they have any success at all, it is it is very fulfilling and very rewarding. And you. You know, and like I said, I am trying to appreciate appreciate it a little bit more than I used to, as opposed to just, you know, living through it and forgetting it and okay, next, okay, next, okay. It's always the next game, always the next this. Yeah. So trying to savor it a little bit. Like we always say, we started doing this like after a Panther game. That night, we're like, okay, let's uh, let's enjoy this one. We're not talking about next week. We're not talking about Monday. Let's try to savor this if there's a win. <laughs> we try to appreciate yeah. it and um, just savor it and really enjoy it because, you know, wins are few and far between and, and success is, you know, and, and that sport is, is it's uh, playing against the best in the world and it's difficult. So if you have any form of success, we do now try to sit back and be like, wow, that was awesome and that was incredible and just enjoy it. And the next day we'll, yeah. we'll worry about the next game. So trying to do that more. I think that's a, that's a great approach. I I need to adopt that. Yeah. That's, it's that's hard something though. It's hard. We never adopt. did it that way. You're always like, okay, that was a Neither great win. I. Let's You're look. always on next to the next week. Thing. You play this team. So yeah, it's it's always I know. next. Thank you. Next. That's always how I've been wired. Yeah. Well, I don't I I obviously know Christian very well. We we've got what do you close, think of him? Is he kind of, what do you still... think of him for real? Come on. Is he kind of a dork? He tries I, to be all cool, but he's really a nerd inside. I Come on. couldn't he's love Christian McCaffrey. Wait, he loves you. He went to one of your games and watched you coach. He Came, he was so I, excited. He got on the phone with me and Ed right after and was like, Oh my gosh, it brought back so many memories. It reminded me of my of my youth, my youth watching dad coach. It was awesome. It was so fun. So it's, he loved well, it. Well, let me tell you something about Christian. From the first time I met him, I met him at Ron Rivera's bowling event. Mm -hmm. It was like two days after he got drafted. I was there. I was at that. And he sat down. You were there. I, was there. I met yep. you. I met Christian. He sat down next to me and began asking me how we run our blitz protections. <laughs> And how Nerd. we do blitz pickup and how we identify. And I went home that night and I was like, this kid's special. Like, obviously, we all watched him in Stanford and we watched him, you know, should have won the Heisman. We watched, like, we all knew what he was. We knew when we drafted him, we're like, this kid is different. When I had a chance to be around him from the day I met him as a rookie till my, you know, we played three years together, I don't know if I've ever been around a guy who had that work ethic that commitment to his craft, but then also was like the most fun guy to be around. And he was the most fun guy to sit in the locker room with. And he was the most fun guy to, to take go a have, hot tub with you know, lunch and hang. Yeah. To take a hot tub and sing Adele. Like <laughs> he was just, he was those guys. Like if you could sign up to have guys like him to be your teammate, you would pick a hundred, oh. right? Like, so whatever you guys did, I don't know Dylan, Luke or, or Max as well, obviously, but like just knowing Christian, like hearing the way you and Ed raised the boys and the lessons, like I saw it firsthand as his teammate and now just as a buddy of his and who hangs with him and whatnot. So whatever you guys did, I know you joked like, oh, we did stuff wrong. We did stuff. You did a lot, right? Because he has, he is as impressive a guy I've been around and I was around, you know, yes. for 15 years in the NFL, just hardworking, his attitude. He was fun. He was lighthearted. He never took himself too serious. He wasn't sensitive. You could bust his chops. And like, he, like he was just a, the epitome of a great dude. So whatever you guys did, it worked. Well, you're nice. Thank you. That's very kind. I did something right. Yay. Well, well, <laughs> well I'll tell you another thing you did, right? You were awesome. Like you just hearing you kind of reflect back on your stories. 
I know that you, we are going to hear your voice a lot more now. I know you are in the works with a podcast from the mom perspective and kind of sharing very similar stories that we're chatting with here. And I would just love you to give our viewers like a little taste of what to expect when that pod goes live here, which my understanding is it's going to be here soon. Yes, very soon. We don't have an exact launch date, We, but stay tuned. We, I will let you know. And you will plug well, it. Tell us about it. Tell <laughs> um, us what it's going to be about. Yeah, it's a podcast called Your Mom. Um, and I'm doing it with Ashley Adamson, which is a great, it's not a fun name. I know we've name. all of a sudden we so had a different good. name and we like, we mulled through all these and we're like, Oh no, no, your mom game on. So your mom, your mom. that's so good. Your mom. Um, it's really fun. And we have the, the all my co-host Ashley Adamson is the, uh, PAC 12 reporter. She's been the PAC 12 reporter since the inception of the PAC 12. Um, and she's incredible and she's so awesome. And she's a mom herself now to two young kids, cutest kids ever. They're way younger. So, um, we just, she just thought it'd be really fun to interview moms of kids of, well, not kids, of, of people that have excelled, not only in sports, you know, in, in technology and, you know, like my, my, we, we asked each other at the beginning, who's your ultimate interview? And I was like, I want to interview Taylor Swift's mom. I like love Taylor Swift. Um, there you go. And, um, but she, you know, so, so that's what we want to do is just pick their brain. You know, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? Um, if you had to go back, what would you do? But obviously these are, there's something about these people that have excelled and, how is it nature nurture? How, what, how does the families play a part? And we've already have a, have a bunch of great, great, great interviews, um, in the vault right now. And we have a couple upcoming too. That's going to be really, really fun. So, um, stay tuned. Awesome. It's going to be fun. Well, moms, moms make the world go around. I know my <laughs> mom did. She navigated a high school football coach yeah. as a husband who was obsessed with what he did. And she raised three boys who then went on to play right. college football and deal with the ups and downs of that. And two of them played quarterback, which comes which, with a whole oh, yeah, nother that's a set, whole bag as of you know, yep, firsthand, I've learned. <laughs> you had two, you had two quarterbacks yeah. yourself that and comes one switch with, position. So that's oh. got to tell you something. <laughs> so you only got one quarterback yeah, well, left, Yeah, which yeah. I always tell, I always tell my son Tate is going to play his first tackle football season this year. And he's like, dad, I want to play quarterback. Oh, I'm like, do, do you? you? Yeah. I was like, I could teach you to run the best routes. Like <laughs> you might not be as fast, but like, just go be Christian. Like go, go be like, it's just a go lot do, easier. I mean, I, you're not, Take ball run. I don't know. Like <laughs> Seems. it sounds easy, yeah. but like, I don't know. There's something about quarterback. I had, you know, I've been two brothers that go through it. It's yeah. just a different, it's a it different a, world. Yeah. It's a different path. It is. It is. And that's, the a, that's a mindset. Always there Certain to pick up the pieces. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It is. Does Kara like it? Does Kara like sports? She does. She's gotten into it. She, she really embraces watching her kids do things if they love doing it. Okay, good. So good. if she's watching one of her kids playing a game and they're not into it, or she feels like they're not giving their attitude, she has no patience for it. Okay. Yeah. Good. But if the kids are into it and they're competing and they're working, she can sit at the ball fields for 12 hours. No complaints. Yeah. She loves it. That's good. Her rule though is, and I'm all for it. Her rule is we will sacrifice for as long as you put the work in to make it worth our sacrifice. Right. Because the second this becomes us giving up all of our time and energy and resources to watch you half-ass it, mm -hmm. we're done. Yep. Yep. And that's her rule. That's and, great. Uh, that's awesome. That's a fantastic rule. It. I love it. The moms, the moms, the moms make the world go <laughs> and they pick up all, and they're there to pick up all the pieces Absolutely. when all the kids we call We get a lot of the crap on our shoulders. We do. So, yep. <laughs> Always. Well, Lisa, I can't thank you enough okay. for, for just reflecting and being open and honest. And I just think so many of the lessons that your family went through is going to resonate I know it resonated with me firsthand, both growing up and now as a parent. 
And I know so many of our viewers are going to find so much to, uh, that they can relate to kind of hearing, hearing your stories and, and, and the laughs and the fun and whatnot. But, um, thank you so much for joining us here on you think, and I look forward to your mom and, uh, we'll make sure we have you back on and we can talk more about it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Greg. Keep it up. Thank you, Lisa. (laughs) I appreciate it. I just think it's so important for all the moms out there to make sure you guys get some love, right? We always hear from dad and at all the drafts, you always see the son celebrating with their dads. Well, it's time we give the mom some love. Um, I know how thankful I am for everything my mom did and and all the moms out there who kind of make this whole world go around, not only, of course, the the sports scene, but just the family in general. So I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation of Lisa raising four boys, being the wife of an NFL player, now a college coach. I mean, she really checks all of the different boxes as far as perspective onto this whole youth sports scene. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Um, Now it is time, as always, to bring back in my producer, Tasha, who I know has a whole bunch of things. Tasha, what's up? First of all, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? You got a busy baseball. Doing good. Baseball week. Busy. Yeah. (laughs) Baseball life. But I'm glad we get a little break now, um, which is nice. But I I was saying at the the top of the show, just how well received our Q&A episode was last week during the holiday and just being able to hear from all the, the fans, you know, you've been, you've been joining me at the end of all our episodes for the last couple of weeks. And this has really become, you know, one of the parts of the, of the episodes that everyone has looked forward to the most, you know, so it's nice to, to be back. It's nice to be recording on a normal schedule again after everyone came back from the holiday and uh, curious to see what you have for us today. Yeah, we have a few audience questions, but before we get into it, Greg, and I'm sure you saw that, this, that the Major League Baseball draft just ended. It's the first time ever, actually, in the first round, we saw four sons of former major leaguers going in the first round. You know, it was Jackson Holiday, son of Matt, Drew Jones, son of Andrew Jones, Justin Crawford, son of Carl Crawford, and then Cam Collier, son of Lou Collier. So basically, it was a complete family affair, which you're familiar with, your whole sports family. So I guess, what were your thoughts when you saw that? Do you think this is nature, nurture, parenting, coaching? What's going on there? You know, I was actually talking with my wife about it. I was like, you know, this, we're going to talk about this, you know, when we record the podcast this week, you know, we we watched it live, you know, me and my sons, um, you know, my daughter wasn't overly interested in it, but me and my sons watched it. My wife was kind of in and out. And after the fourth kid, after the fourth, you know, son of the pros, you just named him, named him. I was like, Kara, can you believe you know, out of the top 30 picks in this draft, four of them's that, you know, four of the, it's not a coincidence, right? That four of them had fathers who played in major leagues and whatnot. And I was like, we're going to talk about this on you think, I just think it's such an important part. And she's like, well, you know, what would you say to, you know, the families who don't have a parent, a mother, a father who coached or played, like, is it relatable? And I was like, you know, it was an interesting point. And as I thought about it to me here on you think, we're not saying that in order to make it professionally, this isn't a show on how to make it in the big leagues. But if you want to be a high achiever, it's not so much who your parent is, right? They have an inherent advantage because there is some genetic pool. There is some, right? that all is played into it. But it was the exposure and it was the education and the knowledge of how to navigate that path that gave their child, in this case, their sons, an advantage over their peers, so to me, like part of what we're doing here on You Think is we are trying to be that go-between. We're going out and having these conversations like we did today with Lisa, um, you know, conversations with people who have navigated it themselves and have also navigated it on behalf of their children. So now how can we share the lessons they learned 
with you. Maybe your father or your you aren't a sports family, but you have a kid who really wants to do it. Well, maybe you don't have the information, but hopefully we here at You Think, we can have those conversations and have access to the people who do know. And then you can listen and you can make of it, you know, what, per, you know, what pertains to your own son or daughter's, you know, career and life and whatnot, and have those tools in your, in your arsenal to hopefully have a similar trajectory. So I think, I, I said, I think it's really relatable, right? I think if I'm a parent, I'm saying, okay, I don't know as much as Carl Crawford, but I want to hear what they did. I want to hear. So part of our journey here on You Think is how are we that go between, between the parent and the child and navigating this crazy world. So I, I, I was fascinated by it last night. Um, you know, of course, there's the genetic component, right? And you, when dad's 6'4 and he hits 400-foot home runs, that, that's a little easier than if dad was 5'8", right? That, that's all, you know, the nature component of it. But I also think the nurture, you know, you heard every single one of those kids. I read an article last night about Jackson um, Holiday, Matt Holiday's kid. He was, in the, he was in the clubhouse at one, two years old with a wiffle ball bat. And, the, the, you know, the MLBers are throwing him underhand wiffle ball, and he's banging it off the walls in between games. Like, there's an access component of just being around it and just soaking it all in. You know, I think back to me going to all those camps with my dad as a middle schooler competing against high school kids and just being around it, you have a, you have an inherent advantage. That's real. And then uh, they also all had the motivation to go out there and, and pursue it. So I think there's a lot of factors. I think it's fascinating, but um, that was really cool to see last night. Yeah. And the nurture environment of like the discipline, and the different like characteristics you have to pick up in order to be a professional athlete, I think, plays into no it question. As well. And when you watched, you know, you had a front row seat for you know however many years that your your father's career overlapped your upbringing. You know, you have all those years to absorb all that. And we sometimes I know per- firsthand. Sometimes I don't think my kids are paying attention or listening, but they they are in their own way, right? They're they're taking your habits, they're taking your work ethic, they're taking what you say and what you do, and even though in the moment they might not react to it or seem like they're taking interest, they're, they're logging all of those in the memory bank, and sometimes subconsciously, and, and all of a sudden they, they do something or say something, and you kind of look at them, and you're like, you are paying attention. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like a, it's yeah. an interesting moment. Yeah, and I think people don't give a lot of credit to, like, like they're like, oh, of course, Jackson Holiday, that's the son of Matt Holiday's son and stuff, but I don't think they see, like you're saying, like, when they were one years old, like with a wiffle ball or when like the work ethic that they're putting into, like, I just don't think a lot of people see that because they're like, oh, this is the son of this right. person. And the whole time they grew up as Matt, right? The whole time Jackson Holiday is playing youth ball, he's growing up and everyone knows in his hometown that Matt Holiday is his dad and there's expectations and there's, you know, there's critics, there's people looking for him to fail, right? There, there comes a, as much of an advantage there is, there's also a huge disadvantage. He probably went through his entire middle school and high school career with that target on his back that everyone knew who his dad was and there was expectations about how good he should have been. And every time he struck out, someone was saying he was overrated, right? There comes with a lot when your father is somebody like that, there comes with a lot of expectations when you choose to pursue the same sport that, you know, obviously your, your parent made a living on. So I, I don't, I don't, I think those guys earned every single part of it, the work, the time, the effort, um, you know, that they went through to, to have a night like the other night, having their name called in the draft, I don't think anyone can take anything away from them just because of what their last name is. Well, getting into our fan questions, just like Greg said, we love hearing from you guys. Send them in. Send more of them in. Silly ones, fun ones, serious ones. We want to hear from you guys. And one of the first questions we have says, what's one thing you wish people knew about you? This is deep here. You know, I think think it it plays off what we just finished talking about. I think, um, you know, I think so often 
when people have success or when people, you know, in, in my case, you know, playing the NFL for a long time, you nailed it before when you said, well, it's easy. You know, th- how lucky are they? Right. Oh, they're so lucky. He, there's not a lot of luck involved. Right. Like, yes, you are lucky that you're six five. You are lucky that you have access at a young age that my dad introduced me to the game. Yes. A lot of those things were fortunate. But if you don't take advantage of those, I would have been no different than every other kid growing up in my hometown. Right. I wasn't the only kid who was tall. I wasn't the only kid that played football as a young kid. But I did a lot of things that other people weren't willing to do. So I I wish people and that's not just me. That's just people, successful people in general. I wish people didn't view successful people as lucky. Right. I wish people would take a look at successful people and say, what can I learn from them that I can take? And it's not to be a professional football player. It might be to be a really successful whatever. But like, what are the lessons that I can take from those people of hard work and adversity and discipline and routine and all of those characteristics that transcend your occupation and say, okay, what can I learn from these people that I can, that I can build into my own life that I can try to be successful at whatever it is I choose to do. So I, I think, you know, that's less about me and more just my philosophy in general. I just think we're in a day and age now where successful people are targets. We, we want to bring them down. We want to knock them down. We want to make excuses for why they're successful and we're not. And I think that's unfortunate. The second question is, what's your go-to slogan you would want to be known by as a coach? As a coach? That's a good question. So if you came and watched, I'm going to have to come up with a slogan, but I guess my general philosophy, if you came and watched a team that I was a part of as a coach, I would hope your takeaway was the kids are organized, they know what to do, and they compete their ass off. So I think my biggest thing is like if you learn to compete at an early age, and and I'm talking within the confines of having a good attitude, like I don't think a kid who throws his helmet and when he drops a ball throws a temper tantrum, you know, people look at him like, well, at least he cares. You can care and not act like a fool. Right? So I don't I don't I want to make sure I'm clear like Within the confines of your attitude and being a good teammate, I want kids who absolutely hate to lose. They want to compete. They want to challenge themselves, and they want to go out there. That doesn't mean we're always going to win. It doesn't mean we're always going to succeed. But I don't want kids that want to play it safe. So hopefully if you came to watch my team, you'd walk away and say, those kids play their asses off and whatever the sport is. I want our kids to compete. I want our kids to be educated within the game and and learn. And I want them to be organized and disciplined. Like those three things to me transcend all of the sports. It doesn't, you can apply the the skills of the sport to all of that. And it, and it, it's no different. Those are the things that we try to implement with our teams, regardless of the season and regardless of the sport. So whatever that slogan is, I don't know someone more creative than me could come up with it, but we are going to compete our asses off. We are going to be disciplined and organized from our warm-up to our prep to how we are on the sideline or the dugout or on the be- whatever it is. And then we are going to be smart and we're going to educate the kids on how to play, what it means to be a good teammate, what it means to play basketball, football, whatever it is. We're going to teach them the, the game itself. But to me, that's the last part of it. The actual sport to me is the easy part. Anyone can do that. Those first few things make that last part a lot easier. Coach Olson, organized, disciplined, smart, and they play their ass off. You know, play it's kind of a long ass. slogan. I think my slogan is just play. My, my slogan is play your ass off. That's good. We can correct mistakes. We can teach you more. Play your ass off. Compete your ass off. That's my slogan. 
That's good. The last question we have today is, what sport would you play professionally if it wasn't football? Well, in the real world, none. I don't think I had a future professionally in any other sport. I think that's just the reality. In my mind now. What? What about NASCAR? Oh, God. I could be like a pit crew. I could be on the pit crew. <laughs> I could learn to change a tire. I feel like you really hit you know, it I, off in that episode with him. <laughs> I, think, I think you would have fit I, right I couldn't in. drive the car. First of all, I'd be gigantic. I wouldn't fit in the car. <laughs> I'd be sweating. I'd be hot. I'd be grouchy. I'd be like running people off the road. It would be not. It's not a good fit for my personality. Um, I don't know. I, I think in my in my dreams, I would love to be like a major league baseball player. I never was like good enough. That's not a reality. But like in my mind, I spend a lot of time now around baseball, so I think I kind of get it. Um, so if I had like an alternate universe where I had the skill set to actually do it, I think that would be a blast. Be a big pitcher or you know first base. you know four hole hitter or something I think that sounds fun but in the real world football was pretty much uh that was my that was really my only option wait you said NASCAR doesn't fit your personality is there a sport that you think fits your personality besides football I think basketball would have been a better fit baseball is not a good fit for my personality um so that's why that would have to be like an alternate universe where I reinvent myself uh I think (laughs) basketball you know because the thing about baseball that's hard is like you can't will yourself, right? If the game gets down, you know, you're losing in football, you're losing in basketball. You can like take it upon yourself to be like, I'm bringing my team back and I'm going to just be relentless. I'm going to play defense and rebound and go hard to the back. Like you can almost like fight your way back into the game. In baseball, unless you're the pitcher, you can't tell them where to hit the ball. Yeah. And you don't get to tell, you know, when it's your next at bat, it's your next at bat. You don't get to say, oh, hey, the game's on the line. You know, in football, the game's on the line. All right. Give it to me. I can go out and make a play. Call me the play. I'll get open, whatever. In baseball, if you're not up, you're not up. So, like, the baseball mentality to me would be a little bit of a challenge. But um, football was good. I think basketball would have been fine. That's a little more uh, aligned with my approach. Yep. That's good. Well, that's all the audience questions for today. Keep sending them in to Greg Olson or at you think on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Well, thank you guys so much, as always, for listening here on You Think. Thank you, Tasha, for joining us with those questions. And as always, you guys can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Mm-hmm.